I want to talk today about the contrast between myths that are widely believed by the public at large and what I regard as a reality which typically contradicts those myths. and welcome to the latest episode of OK, Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong. So, in the spirit of the holiday season, I thought that I'd do an episode today where we take a look at the economics at play behind an event where the spirit of the holidays meets rampant consumerism, Black Friday. Now, for those of you who, for whatever reason may not be familiar with uh, what I mean when I say Black Friday, let me provide a bit of background. Black Friday is the nickname given to the Friday after Thanksgiving in the U.S. It's, it's when the <clears throat> Christmas shopping season is set to start and consumers are encouraged to go out and shop by a combination of the fact that many have the day off and retailers massively discount items in order to encourage people to show up to their stores. Over the years, Black Friday has become an event onto itself, with uh, shoppers hungry for the best deals lining up and camping outside of stores starting on Thursday night so as to ensure that they get into the store when it opens uh, early enough to get the best deals. Uh, it's usually, <clears throat> and I think a bit unfairly, uh, characterized by rap rabid mobs of consumers pushing their way through the doors, dashing down aisles, and getting into fights over Tickle Me Elmo or whatever. Uh, man, that's a dated reference. Yeah, I'm sticking with it. Uh, but whatever the, uh, the hot item for that year is. I say unfairly because those scenes, uh, along with the one time that somebody was trampled to death during a Black Friday sale, don't actually represent the average Black Friday shopping experience. They're outliers, but... They're dramatic ones, and that plays well on TV. Uh, to start, I will admit that I'm coming at this with a bit of a bias. I, I don't think it'll affect my interpretation 
of of what's happening uh, to Black Friday, but I want to put it on Front Street. I have taken part in Black Friday shopping twice in my life, and oddly, uh, both times, it was to purchase things not as gifts, but for myself, because the deals on those items were particularly hard to say no to. Uh, both times, it has been a positively miserable experience uh, that combines uh, some of, of really my, my least favorite things in the world, uh, including being cold, standing in line, making awkward small talk, and being in an overly crowded space. Uh, it's safe to say that just by concept, I'm not a fan. To me, uh, <clears throat> to me, especially after experiencing the reality of Black Friday, the discounts offered on products have never really been worth it when compared to the time, effort, and discomfort involved in obtaining them. And I think that I think that'll be my cue for the first tangent of this episode. So, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this yet, but my, my personal niche of, of uh, interest within the broad subject of economics is price theory and uh, concepts of valuation. I wouldn't rate myself as a world-class expert on the topic, but it is an aspect of economics that I've always been drawn to. Uh, the way a business develops a price for an item or the way that we as consumers assess a price as being fair, unfair, or a bargain is, is really a fascinating idea. And I'm sure a lot of you are laughing at my using the word fascinating there, but trust me, it is. Uh, you, you just got to trust me on that. Um, if, in fact, if you're interested, I'd be happy to do any number of future episodes on various aspects of price theory. I will admit the theory itself is a little dry, but the implications behind it are, are pretty incredible. Uh, where price theory applies to, to my personal views on Black Friday, though, has to do with my individual concept of valuation. When, when you look at people who, you know, go and camp out on Thursday night for six, seven, eight hours uh, before the store opens uh, in order to make sure that they you know, that they're, they're in the front of the line. Uh, my guess would be that those people have a concept of valuation that's measured almost exclusively in real dollars. Uh, the item that they want to buy is cheaper if they're first through the doors. So they're willing to do what it takes to be first through the doors uh, in order to get the item at that cheaper price. Personally, <clears throat> my concept of valuation is a bit more complicated because I put an equivalent dollar value on, on more abstract aspects of my shopping experience. Let's use a real example. For 2017, uh, The Verge listed one of the best Black Friday deals to be a, an HP Spectre 360 with 13.3 inch touchscreen. 8th gen Intel Core i7 processor, 16 gigabytes of RAM, and 512 gigabytes SSD, whatever that means, uh, selling for $999.99. Now, this is an item that usually retails at $1,379.99. Thus, they're, for Black Friday, they're offering the dedicated shopper a savings of $380. 
it's not bad at all. I'd be saving uh, 27.5% or thereabouts off the original retail price. By the way, one of the uh, one of my favorite parts of talking about price theory is that I get to talk like I'm hosting the prices, right? So, if I'm purely assessing value in in terms of real dollars, of course I'd head out on Thursday night to get that deal. Doing so would save me three hundred and eighty dollars. Where this becomes a bit more complicated for me uh, is is in the fact that I feel like I can put a dollar value to, to uh, like I said, more abstract aspects of the Black Friday experience than just the retail price. First of all, I have to cut off my Thanksgiving celebration early in order to get a place in line that will guarantee that I'll be in the store early enough the next morning to ensure that I get one of these laptops before they run out. Well, that has value to me. I love Thanksgiving. It's one of my absolute favorite holidays of the year. Uh, for our international listeners out there, the appeal of Thanksgiving to me has always been that it is really all the best parts of any holiday, but none of the obligations. Uh, there are, are no presents to buy, there are no decorations to hang, there's no church service to go to. Thanksgiving is a pure holiday, because the whole point of it is to eat a delicious meal, have a bit too much to drink, and watch some football. Even the conventional tradition uh, of seeing the Thanksgiving Day Parade usually involves watching it on TV rather than actually attending the event. So to cut off that holiday early is costing me the full enjoyment of it, which I can put an approximate dollar value uh, to of about $100. That's how much enjoying Thanksgiving is worth to me. Applying that, I'm now only saving $280, which, hey, is still a pretty good deal. So if that were the only factor involved, I would still go out to shop on Black Friday. Except it's not the only factor. It may seem a little arrogant, but I put a value on my time. Time spent chasing a sale is time spent not doing other things that I would rather do. And and these are independent of enjoying Thanksgiving to its fullest. So let's estimate that I value my time around $5 an hour. If I get in line outside of Best Buy at 10 o'clock p.m. and the doors don't open till 6 a.m., uh, waiting in line is costing me $40. Therefore, my savings has dropped again to $240 still a bargain but five dollars an hour is the standard value on my time and these are not standard conditions i am standing outside of the store for those eight hours at night in late november in the chicagoland area which means it's likely to be between uh 25 to 30 degrees fahrenheit and as I've mentioned earlier, I hate being cold. Uh, let's apply a value to my time to compensate for standing for eight hours in the cold. Let's apply a temperature premium of three times the value. Uh, and now those eight hours are worth $120. 
Now my overall savings is $160. But hey, saving $160 is still pretty good. So I'm still likely to, you know, put up with it. But this is not only time spent not doing things I'd rather do, as well as time spent in the cold, but also time spent doing something that I really hate doing, which is standing in line. My premium for standing in line when I don't have to is also three times the original value of my time. Because I hate standing in line about as much as I hate being cold. With an original estimate of my time being worth $5 an hour, the cost of waiting in line is now $240 plus the $100 value that I put on not interrupting my Thanksgiving. And now I'm only saving $40 on this laptop. But wait, there's more. Once in the store, I have to fight my way through the crowds to get to the laptop section and then wait in line again at a register to make my purchase. And that has a cost too. Waiting in line inside is not as bad as waiting in line outside. So for the additional two hours, I'm gonna have to uh, that that I'm gonna have to spend in the store will only multiply my $5 per hour uh, value by a waiting in line premium of mm, two times. And, and now I'm down to only saving $20. Also, fighting through the crowds has a frustration premium of $25. So my savings drop to negative $5. And let's add an uncertainty cost because I can't be sure that I'll get the item that I'm trying to before they run out. And if they do run out, then all of this has been for nothing. So let's set the uncertainty cost at $100. In that, you know, an item would have to save me over $100 in order for me to gamble my time on getting it or, you know, not. Uh, even adding back a $50 premium on, you know, the ability to buy one of my loved ones a gift that they really want. The Black Friday sale has now, now has me buying this laptop at a, at a overall savings of negative $55. Therefore, I personally would rather spend more in real dollars later to enjoy my Thanksgiving holiday and avoid all the things that and, you know, are involved in Black Friday, which is why I usually don't. Uh, but let me be clear. These valuations are my own, and if yours are different, there's nothing wrong with that. Some people place less value on their time. Some people don't mind standing in line. Some people don't mind standing in the cold. And for some, Black Friday is a tradition, a tradition on the level of Thanksgiving or, you know, Christmas itself. And that has a value, too. So, if you're listening to me talk about my, my valuations and you think that I'm just whiny or, or overinflating the value of my time, that's fine. Valuations like this are entirely subjective to the individual. I'm just saying, this is why I don't go shopping on Black Friday. Or at least why I didn't. I actually did quite a bit of Christmas shopping this Black Friday. I just did it from the comfort of my home. Because, of course, the growing trend over the past few years has been for consumers to do their holiday shopping online. And uh, that successfully circles us uh, off my tangent and back to my original focus of the episode. 
So it should come as no surprise that the, the rise of online retail options has had an impact on Black Friday, just as it's had an impact on all aspects of brick and mortar retail. What makes this interesting uh, to, uh, to look at, at least through, you know, uh, it's the, the precise impact and the ramifications of online shopping are, are really still being sorted out in the retail market. Where we are right now in 2017, the market hasn't quite figured out what its true preference is. And so we get to see the moves and the counter moves that are part of, of real market forces at work. Just to make sure everyone's tracking what I mean when I talk about market forces, a market, any market, is always trying to find equilibrium. And I, I will uh, one day get into how much I hate when people anthropomorphize markets, uh, but we'll get to that at another time in a later episode, uh, especially because I just did it myself. Uh, so I want to give you guys some time to forget about that before I criticize it. Anyway, markets trend towards equilibrium. And even if they experience a massive shock or, or a shift, will immediately strive to regain a new equilibrium based on the new conditions. It's during this period where a, a true equilibrium ha hasn't quite been reached yet that we tend to see all of the aspects of free markets that that just get you know when when people tout free markets as being superior to all other systems it's it's the things that free markets do during these periods which which really you know make up a lot of that with a shock competitors in the market will engage in fierce competition with each other to ensure that the the new equilibrium winds up favoring them once this new normal is achieved. What we tend to see during this period are rapid advances in quality uh, for the particular product, as well as a hotly contested race to the bottom when it comes to price. This is also the period where we, we tend to see what has become known as creative destruction, uh, which we'll probably wind up doing an entire episode about at some point. Briefly, creative destruction describes the process by which a, a market shock will drive less adaptable businesses out, thus clearing the way for new businesses that are more adaptable and more responsive to consumer demand. In the same way that a forest fire is destructive, but once it's over, it serves to clear out the dead wood and allow for new growth to take root. Uh, creative destruction of a, you know, of a market shock is it's very Darwinian uh, in that and and uh, you know I just I, I always love to point out that that Darwin is is often misquoted. Most people out there will tell you that they that the the you know core Darwin quote is that uh, only the strong survive, uh, but that's actually the exact opposite of the real quote. Uh, the real quote by Darwin uh, is, it's not the strongest that survive, nor the most intelligent, but rather those most accepting of change. And this is very much true in free markets, experiencing a shock. The businesses that will live to, to see the next quarter 
are the ones that can t- take on the new landscape of the market and adapt to it. The ones that don't fail and are replaced. Now that that's covered, let's take a look at what's happening with the retail market for Black Friday. To, to, to help structure this, I've, I've decided to pick apart an infographic called uh, Black Friday 2017 by the Numbers. I found it through um, Marketing News Weekly from uh, November 27, 2017. But uh, according to the article, the infographic itself was gener- generated by Shopping.fm uh, prior to this year's Black Friday. So I- I'm doing this partly because it's a good way to, to structure some of the economic points that I want to make. And partially to make a separate point about infographics. If you've perused the internet over the past few years or or ever picked up a copy of the USA Today, you've probably seen an infographic. It's basically a long list of statistics that each have a little image to go along with it to help illustrate what the statistic is talking about. They're easy to read and simple to produce, but they're usually incomplete because statistics just thrown out there are basically meaningless. One of the reasons that people go to school to study statistics is not to learn how to make pretty graphs, but rather because the difference between reading a statistic and understanding a statistic is a pretty wide gap. Statistics require... Sorry, I don't know what's what's with me today. Statistics require context uh, for them to truly be meaningful. If, if someone throws out a statistic by itself, your brain should probably shout out several follow-up questions after hearing it. And, and getting answers to those questions are, are key to truly understanding any statistic. So as we go through this infographic, I'm going to try to provide some additional context as, as well as some thoughts on what might be behind some of the trends being proffered here. When it comes to that, these are, of course, just my opinions on what we're seeing in the retail market, so take them as such. And again, it's not to suggest that infographics are providing bogus information. I'm sure that the statistics they use are well-researched, but an article that just regurgitates statistics at you isn't providing you with any information that's really valuable. The infographic starts with uh, a few quick, uh, a few quick, cute antidote, uh, anecdotes uh, about uh, where the term Black Friday comes from. Uh, in case you're wondering, the general consensus is that it it comes from the fact that retail stores claim that it is the weekend during which they actually attain profitability or go into the black uh, for you know for that given year. Now go down a little bit and we get into the meat. Uh, they start with uh, Black Friday spending statistics in the U.S. They note that in 2016, uh, 108.5 million Americans shopped online, that the average Black uh, Friday uh, spending per customer was $159.55, and that 3.34 billion dollars was spent online on Black Friday 2016. Now those statistics 
certainly point out why this single day is such a big deal because i mean we're, we're, we're talking about billions of dollars flooding into the u.s economy over the course of a single day but aside from that the stats aren't really telling us anything important so so let's unpack this if you were looking at these same statistics, the, the first thing you're going to want to ask in, in order to derive some meaning from them is, okay, that's great, but over time, are these numbers increasing or decreasing? Because the answer to that is going to tell you whether online purchases are taking over the market or not. Well, since the infographic doesn't seem interested in, in comparative statistics, at, at least at this point, I went and looked it up. Uh, based on a survey from the National Retail Federation, it was reported that Black Friday of 2015 saw 103 million Americans shopping online, which, when put next to 108.5 million reported from 2016, shows us an increase of 5.5 million online shoppers. Aha! Some context. We also see that online shoppers in 2015 spent $2.72 billion compared to $3.34 billion in 2016. Now, before we call it a day and, and, and declare online retail the new king of Black Friday, one statistic that I, I can't seem to find is how many of the people that shopped online each year also went out to spend money at brick-and-mortar stores as well. After all, I'm, I'm sure that there's a decent contingent of people out there that, that go out, wait in line, you know, at, at, at the Black Friday sales, go in, get their deals uh, in-store, checking off as much as their much of their Christmas list as, as possible, and then they go home and hop on Amazon to finish off their Christmas shopping. That statistic might give us a little more insight on whether or not brick-and-mortar retailers are in danger of losing Black Friday customers, or if the increase in online shopping is just the result of more people in general using online retail as an option. So let's continue down the infographic and see if we can't find some illumination. The next section uh, expands the scope. Uh, to look at how much is spent over the course of the entire holiday weekend, uh, from Thursday night to, to Sunday, showing that Americans spend on an average of $289.19 over the course of the whole weekend in 2016, and a total of $12.8 billion from Thursday night to Monday of the same year. And this is where the problem with the infographic really gets highlighted, because if it was really trying to tell us something, the next, the, the second set of statistics would be a mirror image of the first, uh, but instead relating to how many shoppers went to brick and mortar stores and how much they spent there. That way, it's sitting right next to the earlier statistics about online retail, and it would allow the reader to create context by seeing them next to each other and comparing them. But, oh well. <clears throat> Plus, changing the scope of the time from statistic to statistic 
doesn't really help either. So if, if you're going to compare Black Friday numbers, compare those. If you want Thursday to Sunday, the, the you know whole weekend, compare those. If you want Thursday to Monday, so it includes Cyber Monday, compare those. But you, you, the only way you're really going to notice trends is, is by keeping that, that, that timeline consistent. So going down the page... Uh, let's see if we can't find something more helpful. Dang, no luck. Because the next set is one that shows up uh, a couple of times in the article, and, and I have to admit, I'm more than a little confused by it. It's a breakdown of Black Friday spending via mobile devices. Now, it's somewhat interesting that spending through mobile devices on Thanksgiving Day, changing the timeline again, uh, totaled $449 million in 2016, and that $1.2 billion was spent via mobile devices on Black Friday. But I really failed to see the importance of this distinction. I, I, I suppose that <clears throat> we could infer that they're, they're trying to point towards the possibility that people are shopping through their phones while at a Black Friday sale, thus adding the complication of comparison shopping for for brick and mortar retailers and and if if customers are comparison shopping at black friday sales you're going to see an increase in shopping through mobile devices which then implies that there will be less money being spent in store uh, if people are finding better deals online but the the infographic doesn't specifically state that <clears throat> as is it's really just saying, hey, isn't it neat that so much money is being spent via people's phones? I'm not sure why it's important to distinguish this from just general online shopping, but hey, if any of you out there can think of a reason why this might be critical information, feel free to leave a comment on our Facebook page, because uh, I, I don't get it. So next, we get a little bit of a hodgepodge of stats, but they do state that <clears throat> the year-over-year -year growth rate for online Black Friday shopping is 21.6%, finally providing something of a comparative statistic, letting us know that the trend is upward. Then we're on to Cyber Monday statistics, which, for those who don't know it's the name of given to the monday after thanksgiving where there's typically a a large spike in online retail sales and here we're treated to another comparative statistic of sorts letting us know that e-commerce sales in 2016 increased by 12.1 percent over 2015. so not only are people spending more online on black friday but it doesn't seem to be affecting or, or detracting from purchases made on Cyber Monday, which is interesting. Now, it would be helpful here to know what the overall trend in online shopping was, because these increases might be caused by uh, just a broadening customer base for online retail options. <clears throat> so I looked it up. Now, the numbers on this one do get a little tricky because... It's hard to precisely assess how many people have ever looked at an online retail option. 
But uh, BI Intelligence reports that, and and I'm I'm fairly certain that the BI stands for Business Insider, and so you know we're we're on we're on uh, shaky ground here to begin with. If you've listened to my some of the previous episodes where I'm more than a little critical of the Business Insider, but their statistics do seem to to com- compare closely to most of the the others out there. Uh, they reported that between 2015 and 2016, the number of online shoppers grew by nearly 20 million uh, to an estimate. Uh, they've grown from 20 million to an estimated 224 million in the U.S. That's over two-thirds of the entire country. Uh, They also note that not only are there more online customers, but the transactions for those customers are more frequent, growing by 115 million between uh, 2015 and 2016. So it's safe to say that online retail is generally a growth industry, not just on Black Friday. Continuing right along, they, uh, the infographic here breaks out shopping trends by category. Uh, apparently, the biggest discounts of Black Friday relate to uh, travel at 60% off regular prices, while on Cyber Monday, the biggest discounts are on computers and electronics at 48% off. Amazon is unsurprisingly the most visited online retail site on Black Friday, with Walmart a distant second, and Best Buy right behind them in third. Now, we come to one that has some interesting implications that the infographic suggests, but naturally does not dive into. Here, uh, they provide a buy-retailer comparison of average Black Friday discounts, also compares the change in discount at each store between year 2015 and year 2016. What we see is that Best Buy averages uh, or the averaged a 35% discount uh, across all their items in 2015 and a 41% discount in 2016. Likewise, Walmart went from 35% to 39%. Target went from 36% to 38%, Sears 44 to 45%, Macy's 50 to 56%, Kohl's 50 to 53%, and JCPenney went from 56% in 2015 to a 58% uh, average discount in 2016. So, We've got a trend among all retailers of increasing their discounts from 2015 to 2016. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to take a bit, a bit of a leap here and assign a causality to this in, in absence of any other evidence. I think that it's very possible that the reason that all brick-and-mortar retailers increase their discounts probably has something to do with the increase in online shoppers and online sales. Here we see the the kind of counter moves that I had referred to earlier. Brick and mortar retailers saw their earnings threatened in 2015 by the increase in online shopping. So, in an effort to protect their biggest day of the year, they engage in a race to the bottom on price. 
to, to try to beat the convenience of online retail with better prices and, and induce people to leave their homes on Black Friday to shop in-store. Fair move. However, if you play this out to the end, there, there has to, at some point, come a breaking point at which, again, if trends continue, brick-and-mortar stores will have to discount their inventory so much to get customer traffic that Black Friday will no longer be profitable for them. Uh, and it, it's this possibility that, that, that begs the question of how much profit could brick-and-mortar stores make if they simply gave up on the standard notion of Black Friday now and <clears throat> instead shifted their efforts to improving and promoting their own online sale capabilities. After all, all of the stores we mentioned in the, uh, in, you know, from that comparative infographic piece, all of them have an online retail capability. So, if instead of cutting into their profits by, by continuously increasing the, the discounts just to get people to come into the stores, what if they just made their online shopping and delivery options better for Black Friday and adapted to the prevailing trend rather than fighting against it? They could definitely avoid the overhead costs that come with Black Friday because these stores have to be fully staffed for the event and, and potentially get away with offering less of a discount because they don't need to incentivize people to come out and physically shop. Basically, if they just turned into the skid, they could wind up making more money than they would from fighting against it. Food for thought. I'm just going to leave that one there and, and, move, and move on. Uh, the infographic then goes on to, to break down the, the data by demographics. And uh, let's see here. Uh, apparently, people with higher income are more likely to not wait for sales. Groundbreaking stuff, infographic. Uh, also, older people are less likely to wait for Black Friday sales. But then again, on average, the older you are, the more money you tend to have. So... I guess that one's a little redundant. Uh, more stats on mobile spending, which, again, I just don't quite get. Uh, fewer millennials plan to spend money on Black Friday, which I guess is interesting. Uh, and then uh, another hodgepodge of facts that don't really add up to much, though there's a bit of a confusing moment I had when I was reading this through that uh, where they break out uh, most popular brands and stores on Black Friday. And and the fifth most popular are drugstores, like Walgreens or CVS. But their their graphic for drugstores is, uh, in, in this particular section, is a prescription bottle. And, and for just a moment, I, I couldn't help but uh, think that they were trying to say that the, the product of prescription drugs was the fifth most popular and, and and you know for that moment all I could think was dang we really do have an opioid crisis if people are buying each other prescription drugs for Christmas 
I, I guess uh, nothing says the the holidays like Vicodin. Um, so the infographic wraps up with a list of uh, Black Friday hacks that uh, I am entirely convinced were written by representatives from brick-and-mortar retailers because uh, number two is a uh, direct quote, don't wait until Black Friday, shop on Thanksgiving. And uh, number seven is don't waste time price matching on Black Friday, which, uh, yeah, that, mm, well. So, what's the point? Aside from taking some shots at this poor infographic, uh, what does it all mean? Well, much as I I did want to point out how perilously meaningless infographics like this can be, creating the illusion of providing information when when they're really just inundating you with data. Uh, As promised, there was a greater economic point behind it. And it centers around a real question at play behind all of these statistics. The real question that the statistics in the infographic are, are, are hinting at is, will online retail put an end to Black Friday as we know it? And, and, and really, we, we can take that even more broadly and ask, will online retail end brick-and-mortar retail as we know it? The answer those questions is uh, to to use one of my favorite Simpsons quotes uh, short answer yes with an if long answer no with a but Uh, the reason for the the hedging here centers around the the use of the word end and, and a problem with the way we think and talk about markets online retail will without a doubt continue to have a massive impact on brick and mortar retail but where we tend to get wrapped around the axle is when it comes to market shifts like this being whether we know it or not we all seem to subscribe to the business dictum that if you're not growing you're dying and that's a bit of an exaggeration uh, we often ignore the concept of a market contraction and, and hop over it straight to the idea that the market is ending rather than simply shrinking. Uh, people have been referring to print journalism as a dying medium since the 1970s uh, with the rise of television news, or, or at least profitable television news. Strangely enough, print journalism still exists. Sure, their readership has shrunk from from where it was back in the days when a newspaper was the only source people had for current events, but I suspect that future generations will still be able to access the New York Times in, in some form or another. It, it may be entirely online, but print journalism, by its nature, provides a unique form of news that tends to be less reactive and, and, and more investigatory than television journalism. And, and there will likely always be a market for that. It'll probably be a smaller market and won't support the existence of a, a local newspaper in every town, but the market itself will still exist. And the competitors that remain in it may be fewer, but they will still be able to operate and turn a profit. 
a market reacting to new conditions and and depending on those conditions sometimes shrinking doesn't necessarily mean that it will vanish entirely online retail has and will continue to irrevocably change the landscape of physical retail but i'm not convinced that it'll end the existence of of brick and mortar stores entirely and if that's true, the, the difference between the market contracting and the market ending is a big one, with a lot of potential opportunities for brick-and-mortar retailers. Now, the full numbers aren't in from this year's Black Friday. Uh, you may have noticed all the statistics I was reading off were comparing 2015 to 2016. Unfortunately, we won't be able to really dissect those numbers uh, from this year until retailers release their quarterly earnings numbers, but at least by early estimates, we're seeing a bit of a mixed bag in 2017. Uh, Adobe Analytics estimates that uh, U.S. retailers earned a record $7.9 billion on Black Friday this year, with estimated Cyber Monday sales around $6.6 billion. Uh, despite all this money flying around, where, where the odds makers really took a beating was on the projected decline in physical sales. Uh, ShopperTrack, a research firm for retailers, estimated in-store traffic declined by less than 1% this year. Uh, some of this gets chalked up to, to it being a pretty mild weather across the country over the Thanksgiving weekend, but... I think that we're what we're really seeing here is a market sorting itself out. Brick and mortar retailers have responded to the spike in online sales, and at least this year, it seems to have worked out for them. Uh, they've dropped their prices, and people kept coming to Black Friday, you know, physically. Uh, unfortunately, what what this will likely lead to is is at least some, if not all, of the brick-and-mortar retailers, uh, I guess, making them feel that they should just double down on their in-store efforts, which, you know, based on this year's numbers, I can see how you'd come to that, but the, the downside of that is it, it'll probably... <laughs> just wind up leading to a much more painful process in the future when online retail does inevitably and, and, and fully take over Black Friday. Again, I think there will likely always be a place for Black Friday, and those who, for whatever reason, want to go out and shop for Christmas presents in a store. But my guess is that in the future... It'll not be this madcap, chaotic press of crowds that it's become known for. It will change. And retailers should really change with it. Uh, one last point before I wrap up. Uh, Black Friday gets hyped up as this massive moment in the, in the course of retailers' fiscal years, which, uh, you know, where, you know, they finally turn a profit. Uh, and to, to instigate people to come out and spend their money they offer significant discounts on their products but as we learned from professor opiala in our episode on uh, fed policy 
consumer activity isn't necessarily based on what market conditions are at any given time, but but rather what they're they're based on what consumers think market conditions will be in the future. You buy things on when they're on sale, not because they're cheaper, uh, not really. You buy them when they're on sale because you think they're going to be more expensive if you wait to buy them later. Um, well, that works the other way as well. By regularly having a single day uh, of the year in which most of their inventory is significantly discounted, how many sales are lost or, or, or rather delayed by, by people who want to buy a, a computer or a cell phone or TV, but they decide they'll just wait until Black Friday and pick it up at a discount. If re retailers didn't have this regular sale, uh, would, would those customers just buy the computer or cell phone or TV at the regular retail price? Because after all, they did want it. Or, or, would, or would they just wait for a sale at some other point during the year, but one that didn't offer as deep of a discount as has be become expected from Black Friday? I wonder if, if retailers would, in the long run, be more profitable if they didn't push for such a blowout sales day. Fortunately for consumers, we'll likely never have to find out if this is true. Once again, market forces born from competition prevent retailers from, from really ever seriously considering not competing with each other for Black Friday dollars. Because even if they were to successfully you know, collude to not compete for sales on Black Friday, inevitably one of them would break and offer a sale, forcing all the others to offer better sales, and so on, and, until we get right back to Black Friday as we know it. I'd go so far as to say that because of this kind of thing, even if online retailers were to completely eclipse brick and mortar, for or at least for Black Friday, uh, online retailers would still have to offer Black Friday discounts, uh, whether we're all huddled in an overcrowded store or sitting comfortably at home in front of our computers, I'd bet that there will still be a Black Friday in some form or another. Well, thank you all for listening, uh, as always. If you like what you hear or heard here, please take some time and rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It, it really does help to get us noticed by more people. Uh, also, Truly, the best way to help the podcast is to tell tell a friend about it. Uh, just uh, broaden that broaden that listener base. Uh, this episode did involve a lot of lot more speculation about the future than I usually do. So, if you want to tell me why I'm wrong, uh, feel free to join us on the Okay, Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong Facebook page and leave a comment or suggest a topic for a future episode. Uh, I will try to include the link for that in the show notes. Uh, with that, I've been Dave Yost, and this has been Okay, Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong.
Oh, folks, sorry, one last show note. I uh, just wanted to send uh, send a special shout-out to George Sacco, who uh, composed the uh, music, which I'm now using for the new intro and outro. Uh, thank you very much.